Take your Bibles tonight, and uh, I've got a number of passages, and we're going to stick mainly in one area in Philippians, and turn to chapter 2 and uh, verse 1. Now, as you're doing that, I want to ask you guys as a church a question. Do you believe with all your heart that this is the very words of God? I, I, don't, I could say that without hesitation. I'm uh, speaking uh, on Sunday mornings a class called Christianity 101. We went back to the very, very, very beginning. Our first memory verse was uh, John 3.16. And I mean, for some, they're like, oh, I've known that my whole life. But we've got to have an understanding that there's some people that have never memorized that, didn't grow up in church, going all back to the beginning. And I love in that class explaining and emphasizing every week. It's not just a good book. This is the very words of God. When we preach, it's God speaking. It convicts hearts. It opens our eyes. It changes lives. It breaks chains. It tells us about the the, the cross and the resurrection. This Bible is the very words of God, and it will change your life. But I think sometimes we treat the Bible like a buffet. It's like, we went to one today. You know, you get out there and you go, no, no. Oh, man, I want that. And we're like, load up. Man, preach on grace tonight, Pastor. You know, just like, load up. I'm going to go back for more grace. And then there's some of that. You go around to the broccoli and like, yeah, no, I'm skipping that. You know, it's just, and I think we do that when it comes to the word of God. And, and I, I think sometimes when spiritually speaking, there's some things in there. We don't want to hear a message on that. So tonight, take out your plate, and we're going to load up with broccoli and carrots. I, I, I want to preach God's word. And I, I want you to know that everything that I'm about to say is coming out of deep conviction that God has laid upon my heart. And uh, there's going to be things said after I say and read and preach what I'm going to preach tonight, because people are going to say, ah, oh, I know why he's saying that. This is an attack on this or attack on that or personal this or whatever. And I'm telling you, there is not a soul in this room right now that I'm not speaking to. So before you pick up your finger and you point and you think whatever, we need to understand that this applies to everyone. And when I say everyone, I'm starting with myself because I fell under conviction concerning this. And when God works in my heart, I have learned a long time ago, you don't argue to debate you just do it and uh, I want to read through this because I'm praying that the verses themselves God's words speaking to us convict us and we can't skip over things you know I I I know we're all people we're family and we're God's family but God's family doesn't always see eye to eye do you guys know that it's amazing how my family I can tell you back home does not see eye to eye all the time I mean Usually, me and Dave can see eye to eye, and I'm, I see him in the face and say, you're wrong, and I'm right, and we, we've had some pretty cool uh, arguments over the years and stuff like that, but I'm, I'm here to testify, I'm kidding, but there's, no, I'm not kidding about the cool arguments, we have had that, <laughs> but we don't always see eye to eye, and what happens is, we get frustrated, we voice our opinions, we share it with one another, we share it with other people, and little comments and phrases and things get out and it causes division. And let me tell you, that ticket of division is the devil's ticket into the church. He loves it. And you know what? We would stand at the door tonight, 
And if, 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 if someone came in, and, and I mean, we were, we were to talk about an issue and say, hey, did you know so-and-so, there's this nasty affair that went on, oh, let's get the people together and bring restoration, attack, you know, or I could turn around and say, hey, did you know that they were busted stealing and now they're taking up the offering? All those kind of things, everybody would be like, amen, let's fix it. But boy, if we were to get on the issue of pride, if we were to get on the issue of gossip, if we were to get on some of those, it's, it's those, that's the, the devil's ticket in. Because we don't raise a voice about those things. He, he can walk straight through the door and, and use those things because almost, in a sense, we don't lift those up as sins as those other things. You realize that all those other things, and like if, if somebody was selling drugs in the lobby, you'd be like, oh, let's get rid of that and let's take care of that. You'd be all over that. But if somebody was doing gossip, would we feel the same way? Because here's the thing, sin is sin. And he'll use it in any way possible to get in. Paul was writing in these passages, and he says we, we have to have the power of God. Let me tell you, you know why I preach what I'm preaching tonight? Because I desire the power of God. And, and I am I'm thankful for what God has done. And I'm thankful for God, how God is working. I, we did the, the starting point class, and I did it, and we had to put out more chairs, and that was back at the end of the year. We did it again, filled the class, did it again on a Sunday afternoon. We had more people, and God's blessing and bringing people in and, and, and did the Christianity 101, and I, I made what I thought was an overkill on the number of copies, and they came back and said we're five short, and just... And I just go back and say, man, these are horrible problems, aren't they? And I, I think as we do our job of reaching out, the devil's going to do his job to beat us down. And he's, he, he hates to see people's lives changed, and he hates to see the power of God. And you say, where does, where does the power of God come from? I believe that the power of God comes from preaching of the word of God. And I think we would all agree. It's just, if I was just preach the truth and... You know, it's, it's, it's through the preaching of the truth that faith comes by hearing, and hearing by the word of God. I believe in it. But I believe also the, the, the power comes through the spirit of God. And see, there, there's a spirit in all of us, and we either quench the spirit, or we lift up the spirit. There, there, some people come in and just say, I could just tell that there was something different. It wasn't, it wasn't me, or the program, or the songs, or this or that. It was the spirit of God working through us. You realize you're a vessel filled with the Spirit of God, and God comes inside of our lives to do great things. I'm going to show you through these verses that we can, we can quench the Spirit. Philippians chapter 2, verse 1, if there, be, if there be, therefore, any consolation in Christ. The consolation means a sweetness or attractiveness. Just, you know, I just stop right there and think, okay, God's saying, man, I, wa I want the church to be so distinctly different from what they're going to get in the world. And the devil's going to do whatever he can to make it not distinct or different. And he said, man, there should be through the Spirit of God and the unity of the saints where people get around and just say there is a joy. There was a group of our, our ladies from our Sunday school class of home builders that got together in activity and they went down to Gatlinburg and... And they were posting these pictures, and my wife would send me this, and they were all laughing and talking, and they got back, and they were helping each other load up the cars and hugging each other, and just, 
He just, you get around that, and Jenny was telling me about them being around somebody else, and they were at this place, and somebody came up to him and said, man, you girls just made my day just seeing the joy on your faces. You know what? There should be a joy about us. Amen? Let me say it again. There should be a joy about us. There should be. There should be something. But God says, if there's going to be any of this sweetness or attractiveness, if there's going to be any comfort of love, Man, I, I, want, I want to be ready to intercept people when they come hungry and hurting. I love being a church that is open to the needs of hurting people. I love the recovery. I love the homeless shelter. I, I love Broad Street Mission. I, I love our bus ministry. If you guys don't notice, we love kicking the doors open to people that need Jesus. There, there, there ought to be a comfort of love. If, if any fellowship of the Spirit... Talking about fellowship is unity and bond and strength. I'm saying, you know, um, Pastor Mitchell was talking today about our, our carnival and VBS that he brought his kids to and everything. And he was just, he came in and he's like, how do you do this? And guys, we're, we're spoiled almost in a sense. We're spoiled because we come in all oh, about school. Blah, blah, blah. And not realizing the magnitude of what God does through the body of Christ coming together to do that. It's not one person. It's not ten people. It's not a hundred people. It's hundreds of people that come together in unity to pull off these things. You break the unity, we're not going to have Bible school like we should. We'll never pull off a Christmas drama like we should. We'll never be able to do these things if there's going to be any fellowship of the Spirit, a unity, a bond, a strength, any bowels of mercy. Fulfill ye my joy that ye be like-minded, having the same love, being of one accord and one mind. Let nothing be done through strife or vainglory. But in lowliness of mind, let each esteem other better than himself. This is a requirement, not an option. You want this? Let me tell you, it's only done through these things. To be like-minded. Your mind is to be on the same thing. Jesus told them what their mind is to be on. Lift up your eyes into the harvest. That, that, that's what he said. They, they went into the field, or they went into the city to get food, and Jesus didn't go with them. He went to the woman at the well. They came back and he said, I'm already full. They said, who gave him meat? He said, my meat is to do the will of the Father. I get satisfied. He, he had his focus on what God sent him here to do. And I think of our bus ministry as a perfect example of this. I've got Joe Nolan through the week fixing the buses. I've got Norm Sloan lining up the workers and the drivers and, and the campaigns and those things. I've got captains visiting people i've got workers running to the door and i've got teachers when they get inside the door to teach them and i've got junior church teachers that are leading them the next class and then i have somebody walking them to a bus and somebody bringing them home and somebody doing it all over again the next week you say how can so many different people do different jobs well it's not an argument of if the bus is yellow or purple it's not it's not and you say why are all these people because this guy is saying, hey, we want to bring your kids to Christ. Hey, let's bring them to Sunday school. Hey, take your Bibles out too. Hey, hey, we had five souls saved. Praise God. You know why all of them are saying praise God? Because that was what was on all their minds when they were doing what they were doing. 
Now, if your mind is on something else and it's the quantity of the number of kids that got on the bus or da 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 or all these other things, then you're not going to feel success unless we're like-minded that our goal is to bring people to Christ. All come together in the same love. The same love one for another. Their opinions might be different. The love that we show for one another should not waver. It's said to be in one accord, to be joined in the soul, to have our our, our mission and our hearts for the mission combined. Verse 4 says, Look not every man on his own thing, but every man also on the things of others. Because I'll tell you, I, we all have feelings and emotions and opinions of things. Every, every person in here could turn around and say what I think or I feel or how I, 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 and he said, Jesus said, you better look up and not look on yourself, but look on the things of others. And he said, let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ. Say, what, what I'm saying. Here's, here's what I want to go back to. Just but the, uh, me and Rich were talking. It's like he said, you got an outline and stuff. I said, my outline tonight is going to be very simple. And all I want to do is read verses and say, have, for, have we forgotten this? That's what I want to do. Just say we can sit up and say, praise God, it's the word of God, da, 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 all these different things. But I, I want to go back and say, have we forgotten some of these basic things? Because if we're going to turn around and say we're Bible believers, then we better be Bible believers from Genesis to Revelation. If we're going to say we're going to be doers of the word and not hearers only, then we better learn how to apply all these things. Well, let me ask you, and we're just going to read through and say, what does the Bible say about strife? Well, Philippians 2.3 says this. Let nothing be done through strife or vainglory, but in lowliness of mind. Let us each esteem others better than themselves. And I can't emphasize enough when the Bible says let nothing. Not, not, not one thing that we do should be done to stir up strife in any way possible. So you have to turn around and say sometimes it's we have little hot buttons that we like to push or jab or little things that we like to say. The Lord Bible is saying right here, what is your heart when you said that? What is your motive behind saying that? But he said, it's got to be with lowliness of mind, emptiness of self. I'm not doing this to prove my point. I'm not trying to say that I'm right or wrong. I'm not trying to lift up my opinion of lowliness of mind is what I'm doing. But then it takes it to another category. Let us esteem others better than ourselves. And I'm going to show you that every time that the Bible talks about this, it takes it to another level and talks about lifting up one another. If we can't learn to have each other's backs, you're never going to find where the devil has your back out there. If we can't learn to serve shoulder to shoulder in here, from four years old to 90 years old, we're never going to accomplish anything out there. There has got to be a unity. The Bible says, let us esteem, literally let us lift up others better than ourselves. Lift up their lives. But it's so much easier to tear each other down. When was the last time that you did not agree with somebody, something they said, or how they did it? A ministry, a program, or whatever in the church, and you walked up to the leader and said, I'm praying for you. Well, I can tell you what we do say, because we're sure going to voice our opinion of how we feel about it. But then I go back to the verse and say, I, I cannot find that. But boy, we're followers of God. 
We're going to say amen every time that this sin or that sin or that sin until we step on my sin. And let, let me say, we're all guilty of this. So if you've already closed your notes and say this doesn't apply to me, it probably applies to you more than everybody else. We're all guilty of this. He, he, he said in the, in the midst of this, let us lift up others greater than ourselves. I love you and I appreciate you. I'm praying for you. What, what is, here's another question. What does the Bible say about our communication? Let me take you to a similar passage and we're really close. Ephesians chapter 4 verse 29. Ephesians chapter 4 verse 29. And, and, and I, I, I'd love it if you guys could turn there. I'd love it if you'd underline it. I'd love it if you'd highlight this, because I tell you, some of us need to put this as our screen server and different things that we do. And I love posting this verse on Facebook when things are being said and discussed. Let no corrupt communication proceed out of your mouth, but that which is the good to the use of edifying, that it may minister grace unto the hearers. Corrupt communication is an absence of truth. Sometimes people will say things that are not true, and yet they don't even know if it's true or not. They voice their opinion, but their opinion is slanting somebody else in a negative way. I, I, I've had this said of, about me, different people that have made comments about the direction of the church, where I'm leading and all that. Let me tell you, Facebook is not the place. My name is Tony. Come talk to me. But shut your mouth on Facebook. We're ripping ourselves apart from the inside out. And it's, it's not slander. And I'm going to show you, the devil doesn't work that way. It, it, it's, it's clamor. It's, it's jabs. It's pokes. It's comments. It's seed thoughts. And here, we'll say things, and, and, and all of a sudden, we'll spark because, and, and let me tell you, and I'm not just text messaging, Facebook, emails, all these things, God can use them for good, but at the same time, the devil will use them for wrong. He gets a hold of these things, and it's hard to interpret what somebody means by something, but we feel the need to comment and go back on it. The, the Bible says, and now let me give you another verse, 1 Corinthians 15, Be not deceived, evil communication corrupts good manners. You know what the evil communication is? Lack of truth, which is an assumption, or a feeling, or an opinion. Now, the, now we'll throw it out there, and it's evil because it, it's not truth, but it's slanted another way. It's, it's something that's tainted in the wrong direction with the intentions of causing harm or to lift yourself up. See, I told you I was right. See what I was saying? This is what I was trying to say. It's, it's lifting you up. It, it, rather than trying to do anything to build up the body of Christ, the reaching of souls, we sow seeds of discord. But he said, let no corrupt communication proceed out of your mouth, but that which is good. I don't even think I have to stop and expand a, a, upon that. It, it, what, what's coming out of your mouth? He said, good. To the use of edifying. That is to, to adapt, to instruct, to counsel, or to comfort others. Now, it doesn't mean that you always sit there and agree with everything. But it should be guided to the use of trying to make it better. 
Because the thing is, there's going to be things that you don't understand. There's going to be things that you don't feel. There's going to be this and that. But how you communicate it changes everything. The Bible says evil communication corrupts good manners. It, it changes the direction of things. It changes how people view things or view you or view others. And you don't even realize it, that you're planning that, and the devil's laughing the entire time. And other people are looking down at somebody for something that they don't even realize, and they thought, I didn't even know that, but the devil's behind the whole thing. Edifying. Ask yourself, will this help move the ministry forward? Will this lift up my church? Will this lift up my brother in Christ? Will this help others come to know Christ? Would I say this to them? Would I say this to them? How would this make this, them feel if it got back to them? Say, well, man, I just, the truth of the matter is I, 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 I don't believe they deserve it. I know what they did and I know how they are and I, I, know, I know these things. That it may minister, oh, what is that G word? Uh, G-R-A-C-E, who can help me? Grace to the ears. It's a shame that we're willing to show grace if an alcoholic that was abusive and everything came and bowed down on this altar. We'd gather around him. We'd say, this young person just came to know Christ, given his life and everything. The whole church would shout, amen. But this person over here might say something that maybe you don't agree with. I just don't understand if that's what God was saying. The Bible says in Ephesians 4.30, And grieve not the Holy Spirit of God, whereby you are sealed until the day of redemption. The word grieve means to hinder, to hurt, to make sorry or sorrowful. Some people just boil with things that they don't like or direction or people or ideas or whatever. And the Bible comes out and says, do you realize when you grieve the Spirit of God, you hinder what God is trying to do? Because he said in verse 31, let all bitterness and wrath and anger and clamor and evil speaking be put away from you with all malice. The word clamor means noise or chatter. Realize it's easy for this to kind of get out of control because it's this, this happens and then when somebody hears it, it spreads. And evil communications not only corrupt good manners, but evil communication spreads. See, there's things that are said that you didn't even realize who you were saying them to or who was in the next room overhearing them. And then I'm dealing with people that have given their life to serve God and sacrifice and done different things and they want to quit because a brother in Christ Decided to run them down. Let all bitterness and wrath and anger and clamor and evil speaking be put away from you. But never ever read that and forget about verse 30. Because God's saying we're talking about the power of God either being with you or being not. It's either going to be present in our churches as we worship or sing. It's either going to be present as we preach. It's either going to be present as we stand at the front and, and greet people that are coming down the aisle, or it's not. But God said you can grieve the Holy Spirit where God says, I'm not going to bless the wrong attitudes. And then he says, verse 32, and boy, oh my goodness, dear Lord, I, I, I'll quit the talking. But God says, that's not enough. 
But be ye kind one to another. Show kindness. Show love. Show care. Tender hearted. How will this affect them? How will my words affect others? Ask yourself, am I being kind? Am I ministering grace to the hearer? Am I being sensitive? Am I being tender hearted to how this is making other people what God's doing through this? Forgiving one another. Even as God, for Christ's sake, has forgiven you. How can we not do this and walk out of the church and then say about God's amazing grace and God's amazing love when we're not willing to show it to one another? Here's another one. What does the Bible say about forbearance? Now, forbearance isn't a, a, a popular topic, honestly. It's not even something that you can say in church and the whole church is going to say, praise God. I, I've never heard a song where, you know, people are chanting forbearance and things. I mean, the blood and the forgiveness and my chains are gone, all those kind of things, but not forbearance. The Bible says in Ephesians 4, 2, and we're still in that area where he's confronting the church with all lowliness and meekness, with long suffer, forbearing one another in love. All right, we're going to get into this. I'm going to show you another one. Colossians 3.13, forbearing one another and forgiving one another. If any man have a quarrel, which is a complaint against any, even as Christ forgave you, so also do ye. What is forbearing? Bearing with, enduring, to suffer alongside of, to hold back, to bite your tongue. See, these are spiritual qualities that a lot of us neglect because I tell you, if I'm, if I'm bothered by something, I'm going to tell you right away. Or I'm going to tell somebody right away. If I don't like it, it's going to come out. It'll probably be in the back room or in that lobby or in the hallway or wherever. And God said, you know what? Let me, God said, let me, let me tell you about something. This is convicting. So where did forbearance come from? It came from Romans chapter 2, verse 4. And despise us now the riches of his goodness and forbearance and long suffering, not knowing that the goodness of God leadeth thee to repentance. You know, you know where forbearance came from? God says, you know what? You deserve so much. I could have slandered you. I could have opened my mouth. I forgive you. I bless you. I do all this stuff. And then you go out and God still holds back his wrath on me. I'm telling you, I'm a sinner that deserves hell. I'm a sinner that this. But the Bible says right here in this passage that the goodness and forbearance and long-suffering of God spared me. Romans 3, verse 23. For all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. Amen. Being justified freely by His grace through the redemption that is in Christ Jesus whom God has set forth to be propitiation through faith in his blood to declare his righteousness for the remission of sins that are past through the forbearance of God. God, in his amazing grace, shows all of us constantly forbearance. Literally meaning that God loves me and shows his love to me. God, God literally restrains from me and extends love instead and grace instead to me. And, and I, I realize that this is something that God says for us to have one toward another. But we often don't practice it. 
Forbearance opens our eyes to see the needs of others and allows us to show love and compassion towards them. You stand back and say, wait, Pastor Tony, there's a, you, you, you're trying to get into and say this whole lovey-dovey, I'm going to love you, and, and, and you know, just this kumbaya, uh, I, I see something that's wrong, and, I, and I, I, I keep my mouth shut and just be quiet and everything, and say, well, stop, wait a minute. Do you realize that the Bible has the answers for everything? It has, it, it, the Bible says back and says, oh, God says, oh, I spoke about that. And I said this, and I've got an answer for that. I've got the answer for that as well. God has the answer. So you sit back and say, well, I just don't agree. Or I don't like that. Or I feel this way, I feel that way. Well, that's fine. What does the Bible say about that? Turning your Bibles with me, and I, I want you to see this. And sometimes we're just flash the verses. No, I want you to hold God's word in your hand, underline it, understand that this is the way Christians should act if there's going to be any consolation, if there's going to be any love, if there's going to be any fellowship, if there's going to be the power of God, if we're not going to grieve the Spirit, then God says you better, as the children, as the family, as the unit of God, understand that this is what I better see and experience in, in the house of God and the family of God. Matthew 5, verse 23. Matthew 5, verse 23. And then we're going to jump up to another one in Matthew Therefore, if thou bring thy gift to the altar, and rememberest that thy brother, thy brother hath aught against thee, leave there thy gift before the altar, go thy way, first reconcile to thy brother, and then, and, and then come and offer thy gift. You know what God is saying? You better get your heart right before you lift up your worship to me. You better fix the slander, the gossip, or the heart. You better make things right because through all these things that he's saying, God is saying, first go back and fix the thing that's here if you want this to be here. And I find myself that I can preach powerless. I, I can deliver an outline. I, I, I can deliver verses and I can do all that and I know that the word of God will never return void but I'm telling you there's been times in my personal ministry that I was just so upset about something with someone that I did not get right and it affected what I did. And if we were all honest with ourselves we could all say that we've all been there. We say things, we do things, we post things, we repeat things and he says if there's a conflict an opinion, an ought against thee, go fix it. Because all this is in vain, and we're sitting there kneeling, oh God, thank you for your power, and all this, and God's saying, get up. Go. Go make it right. If you want that power, if you want it coming from there, there, back there, on a bus, or down at Broad Street Mission, have things right with one another. He said, I don't explain all that. I don't understand all that. Just tonight, go home and read 1 John. The importance of making it right. The Bible says in Matthew 18, verse 15. Matthew 18, verse 15. This is Bible. This is Bible. This is Bible. You say, well, I, I, I feel, I, I think, I don't like, I looked at this, or whatever it is. And the Bible says, moreover, if thy brother shall trespass against thee. There's a, there's a conflict, cross a barrier, whether it's, it's the way I feel about you, what you said, how you said it, whatever. When you cross a 
Go and tell him his fault between thee and him alone. Go and tell him his fault between thee and him alone. Go and tell him his fault between thee and him alone. You sound sound like a broken record. I don't think we get this. If he shall hear thee, I was gained a brother. I'll tell you what we need is we need brothers and sisters. I do not want to build a church, face garbage in this changing world. It's coming down on us like a tsunami of sin and change and wickedness all around it. I don't want to face it without having you guys by my side. I don't want to go through this life and not have the unity of my brothers and sisters in Christ. Moreover, if thy brother trespass against thee, go and tell whoever will listen to you. Make a comment and see who else you can get to agree with you on this. The Bible says, come let us reason together, saith the Lord. One of our pastors preached a message a while back. And he said stuff that some people didn't agree with. And there was a lot of chatter that went out about what he said. And how he said it. A lot of it got back to him. A lot of it got back to me. A lot of it was spread on Facebook. And I went up to him and I said, how many of those people that posted something came up to you and said something to your face? He said, no one. I don't want to pray for God to see souls saved anymore. Because I may as well walk over and talk to that wall. If we can't first learn to bow a knee and abide by what God said. And you say, oh, that's your illustration. Oh, I could give you so many. It's just a matter of, there's enough damage that the devil is doing. He doesn't need our help. And it might be outright the way you feel. You can be passionate, you can be convicted, you can be broken, you could be angry, you could be bitter, you could be whatever. Just turn to Matthew 18 and do it. And let me say, it's the same thing when it comes to me. It really, really bothers me that I I am not going to sit up here and act like I'm all that. If you know me at all, I hope I do not come across as a a pastor with a big head. I've never wanted to be cocky. I've never wanted to be that guy that's unapproachable. You can ask Miss Jean Maynard. If anyone calls the church, I don't care who they are and they want to meet with me, I will work it out. I'm not unapproachable. And a lot of people are always talking about how we, we, you know, young people don't show older people respect and older people don't understand. And we have all this division and all this garbage going around and stuff. And I'm telling you, if, if the older is to teach the younger, then we have to show them something to follow. And I'm not just saying older is for if you got gray hair in here. And I'm, I'm saying if you're 17 and, and I've got a five-year-old on the front pew. It's older teaching the younger constantly as the body and the family of God. We're passing it down to one another and we're teaching all the time. 
But I feel like some of the lessons that we have taught when this happens and, and we were talking about people being broken and everything, and I'm thinking, what are we teaching? Where in the world? The only thing that we're really passionately teaching when it comes to this, and I'm not, I'm not trying to say that there's all these, it's teaching people how to effectively gossip. We're teaching them when you're mad about it, you post it. When you're upset, you find somebody and you tell people. And you know what? There was people telling other people. And it was tearing people apart and just saying, I came from a church like this and I just can't bear to go through this again. If you will not hear thee, and take with you one or two more, that in the mouth of two or three witnesses, every word may be established. And God goes on and on and on about the importance of this. He says in verse 19, again I say unto you that if two of you shall have agree on earth as touching anything that they shall ask, it shall be done for them of my Father which is in heaven. For where are two or three are gathered together in my name there I am in the midst. Do you know what God says? When you do it the right way, I will show up in the middle of it. That's what our God said. The Bible is not a buffet for us to pick and choose. It's not something that we just go up and say, well, I like this and I don't like this. And, oh. Let me close with one last passage. Philippians chapter 2, verse 14. Let me tell you, church, we live in a rapidly changing world. Have you noticed, has anybody else been alarmed to the things that go on around us? I mean, I'm telling you, it's crazy. The things that are being discussed, the things that I see come across the news, the things that we used to play in videos of saying one day this is going to be said, the opposition coming to churches. I, I, I just, I, I'm, not, I'm not saying this to, to, to put down anybody or make you feel fearful or scared or whatever, but to wake us up. July 14th, Fellowship Baptist Church is going to court. We're going to court. We're being brought to court by the city that is going to try to take away part of our taxation as a church. Now, we got lawyers involved. We're going through all this stuff. Everything's done. At first, I just said, oh, man, no. you know, we fixed it. We did tell them, oh, it's a mistake. It's all this. I'm not worried about it. I, I know it's going to be okay. I, I had to pick a panel. We, we have the Christian law station that's flying in to represent us. Everything's going to be co- okay and cool. God's worked out some other things to handle whatever. And, and if you want more time than me, for me, and, and, just, and, and, and here we live in a rapidly changing society where we're dealing with stuff that we didn't deal with five and ten years ago. We're dealing with a changing society of young people and attitudes and things that are going on on campuses and the world around us and everything and then you know what people get upset at me because I'm not doing church like they did in 1976 we're not living in 1976 we don't have the problems that they had in 1976 we don't have the hairdos that they had in 1976 we don't have the pants we don't we could go through the bell bottoms and all these other things. I'm not wearing leisure suits, and I don't even know if they wore that in 1976. 
It's a changing world. You know what, do you know what God's called me to do? He said, made me a promise, as Tony, where I am, I'm thinking, man, life, things are, things are changing and everything. And, and then God, God takes Pastor Denoff home, and, 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 and in his timing and his will, and without me ever having an, an opinion or a direction, I never came here with the objective to say, Lord, drop me in to take his place. But he did. And I battled with that because I could tell you over and over again in my heart and mind, I could say I could tell you other people that would be well more qualified. But then I realized God doesn't look for qualified. He qualifies those that are unqualified. And I'm not saying that to build myself up because I don't deserve what I've got, but I'm going to do my best in the grace of God and bring him glory through every second of it. And I'm not the perfect pastor. And I don't have it all figured out. But as I draw out the sword and I'm trying to lead in a very changing world, in a changing society with changing rules and a changing government, and, I, and I'm going to court and I'm trying to reach out to the college students and I'm trying to reach out to the kids and I'm trying to deal with issues that we never even knew existed 10 years ago. And we're doing all these things and everybody will step back and say, well, I don't know where he's going. I don't know what he's doing. I'm trying to do the very best to reach this generation with the gospel of Jesus Christ. If you want to know where I'm going, what I'm doing, that's what I'm doing. I don't have a hidden agenda. I'm not trying to hurt anybody. My goal is to glorify Jesus Christ and lift him up, but I cannot do it alone. Do you hear me? I cannot do it alone. And the devil will do anything. To kick the door open and sneak into our church and cause division and do it through us. The greatest damage that a Christian can experience is from another Christian. And I found myself, you say, why are you doing, why are you doing this? Because I have, I have counseled numerous people over the last weeks, months and everything that literally just said, I'm ready to quit. Pastor Tony, I know you're saying all the time to call, get young people involved, or get young people to do this, to step up and everything, but you didn't tell me that all I was going to get is a target on my back. And I've had people say, you know what, it's time the young people step up and do things. The young people are trying to do everything around here and push out the old people. I'm like, oh, I'm exhausted. Do more, do less. Do, do, do. I'm not. I love my church. I love every one of you, and and God has brought us together as a unique family. And, And Pastor Mitchell and I went to lunch today, and he looks at me and he says, do you realize how weird your church is? And I mean, he was saying it with all due respect, and he said, you just have something very special going on in your church. And he started naming things off that he, he was touched by that I didn't even notice. And, and oh, wow, I was like, oh man, yeah, I do have a cool church. God has been good to us. Philippians chapter 2, verse 14, do all things without murmurings and disputings. I could deal with that if the word all wasn't there. <laughs> Here's the reason why. That ye may be blameless and harmless. The sons of God. Without rebuke. In the midst of a crooked and perverse nation. That's where we're at. 
That is where we're at. We are in a very messed up world. And here we are, Christians and moms and dads and teachers and Sunday school teachers and worship leaders and choir leaders and everything else, and we're just trying to battle it out. And I want to keep balance because I know if you take it too far and you have rules without reason, you're, you're, you're going to push people away for no reason. If you put it the other way, you're going to bring in apathy and sin and, 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 and have it to where it's so lax that it's God can't touch it. And then you have it way over here. It's so strict that even Jesus couldn't fit in our church. You know what I'm constantly trying to do is just balance it out to do the best. You know what? I'm not always going to nail that. But I want to step back and say, okay, Lord, help me, and then I'll step forward. And you're going to see me make mistakes. But I'd rather you come to me and tell me how you feel. I'd rather see more edifying going around here of us lifting each other up saying, you know what? I really appreciate what you're doing with our bus ministry. I really appreciate what you're doing with the music. Really appreciate you, Brother Greg, how you get behind. Mark, I appreciate how you... Where, where, where did that go? Because we're edifying, edifying one another. Among whom ye shine as lights in this world. Holding forth the word of life, that I may rejoice in the day of Christ, that I have not run in vain, neither labored in vain, I'm just saying, guys, we are a family. And we need to treat each other like family. If you've got ought or a problem or a conflict with somebody, go ask them about it. You know what you're going to find out a lot of times that it'd be clarified real, it'd be clarified just like that to say, well, this is what I meant, and oh, did it come across that way? Or oh, I didn't mean it that way. Ah, just communicate. And allowing us to be able to share with one another. The love of Christ. So that when people come in here, they will see a unity of the Spirit of God. And God will not be grieved, but God will open His blessings. And you know what I think God's going to do through that? Which is my goal. You know how we're like-minded? I want to see as many souls come to know Jesus Christ as possible because we are nearing the end. And if we don't, with all of our hearts come together as a church with that in mind, we will blow our chance to be that church that is called out in the last generation to hold forth the word of truth.